This week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Diaz and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode. Thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Jay? Yes? We are uh, going down under again. Let's do it. Virtually and musically for this episode. It's that time of year. It happens three times a year. It's not biannual. It's triannual. It's we need visit. to get uh, Qantas to, to sponsor these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we need a special uh, jingle for when Gavin's here. Welcome back, Ooh, Gavin. Oh, that would be super cool. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe we, we get a- the AFL to sponsor it. <laughs> Maybe we could get like Paul Hogan to do it to do a little like <laughs> a little thing. He's the ambassador, correct, to the United States? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> he lives just up the road. <laughs> <laughs> um, welcome back, Evan Reed. Uh, you've been here uh-huh. since uh, we started in 1973, and it's been a, a blast <laughs> uh, since we since we kicked it off. Uh, that was the only the, one of us uh, alive then. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, you sent so, us a, uh, in 73, you sent us an A-track of all your favorite Australian bands. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It was actually a reel-to-reel. <laughs> so the last couple episodes, we've had some interesting things uh, that you've picked. Uh, Recane, Regret is an Inevitable Consequence of Life. That was a real interesting one. And we, before that, was the Cosmic Psychos Blokes You Can Trust. Another interesting episode. Um, there was also... Um, there was another one last year. I'm missing it. What did we do? What was the third one that you the picked? The Cruel Sea, I think you liked. It was a bit strange. Yes, the Cruel Sea. That was a good one. Uh, there was the backbeat episode. I mean, there's a, oh, I mean, the list of your episodes is just, it's quite long. But um, Mantissa, people would know that one uh, from previous uh, episodes. And then, of course, uh, Anthrax and David Lee Roth to uh, throw some curveballs. Not a mm-hmm. uh, uh, Australian bands. This time, though, you did bring us an Australian band, one we were very much not familiar with. Can you share the uh, the band, the album, and why you picked them? Uh, yeah, I can. So this band's a band called Hoss. There's proof that I still own the CD. Nice. Um, uh, so... Uh, it's a 93 album, which surprised me a bit because my, my direct memory without doing any research was this was more like a 91. I feel like I heard Nevermind um, and then just went on a crusade to find anything that sounded vaguely grungy. Um, and that, I feel like that's where this came from for me because there was a whole sort of grungy sound coming out of Melbourne slash Geelong at the time. And this is is one of those bands, but yeah, it's actually 93. So it's, it's a bit later than what I sort of thought, but um yeah, just it jumped out at me at the time. It's got um, like kind of amazing guitars going on, and just just a bit different to everything, and, and a little less produced or a little less um, polished, I guess, than most of what was going on, which was what I was looking for at the time. Uh, fun fact: If you go on Amazon in the United States and try to buy this record on CD, it is nine hundred and sixty-nine dollars. What? Oh, they have one copy used. For $969, <laughs> Gavin, Holy so I would suggest shit. you sell yours for 968 <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And then you can hook Jet up with some really sweet, uh, you know, xylophone gear. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want to put you on the spot. Would you let go of it for, for $968? Yes. Keeping in mind, you can buy it on Discogs for $4. <laughs> So now I'm thinking I should, I should buy that album on Discogs and then resell it on yeah. Amazon to some idiot. Or if you buy all the ones on Discogs, you create a vacuum in the market for them for about six months, and then you control the whole host <laughs> empire. Tim, that's your retirement plan. <laughs> well, what's interesting is there are only four copies for, of, for sale 
on uh, on Discogs. Wow. And two, three, or three of them are in the United States, and one's in France. What Nobody in Australia is, wants to part with this record. What label is this on? Um, it was on, on a dog meat. To, oh, yes, the infamous dog meat <laughs> label, which was a um, a label out of uh, Melbourne, which put out uh, bands such as the Powdered Monkeys, the Leftovers, <laughs> Jeff Dahl Group, Bored with an exclamation point, uh, the Lazy Cowgirls, V Headcoats. Johnny and the Jumper Cables. Uh, interesting. Very close to doing Powder Monkeys before here. Um, they did uh, a Cheater Slicks album, which is a Columbus band. Okay. So there's a Columbus connection. There you go. To this label. Yeah, they have almost 100 releases uh, between, it looks like, mostly in the 90s. Looks like they put out a, a couple of things in the 2000s. Might have been re-releases or, or what have you. But um, yeah, most of the uh, I believe three of the five albums that Haas put out were on Dog Meat. Um, the first record you mentioned thinking this was a ninety or ninety one album. The ninety album is Guzzle that came out on Agogo Records, and then they signed to Dog Meat. And then uh, their 92 album, You Get Nothing, came out. Then Bring on the Juice, which we're checking out, came out in 93. Everyday Lies came out in 1995. And their final album, 1998's Do You Leave Here Often, came out on Mongrel Records, which only has two releases. Another one is a band called Tucker Young. Okay. Uh, and then they also had a number of EPs and Seven Inches mostly on dog meat, also on Agogo and some other labels in the 90s. I'll give you a quick 90s. fact on, on Agogo because that was actual record shop as well as a label. Uh, and isn't Agogo the label that put out the God single? Yes. Yeah. They did a lot of that stuff at the time. But I bought um, – I went in there. It must have been pre um, – when did Kurt pass? Whatever year that was. It was pre that anyway. Um, and bought Love Buzz, the Sub Pop Singles Club copy, um, for about three hundred bucks. Ah, uh, yeah, the um, the Agogo for a debut single, uh, My Pale, came out in nineteen eighty eight, hmm. and then that was followed by the Rock Is Hell album. Uh. I guess later that year. That single is uh, hard to get. Mm. The um, the original versions. What? So we got to do a little connection here for the audience. The lead singer of um, Haas, who we're re- reviewing, when he was a teenager, was in a band called God. That's Joel Silbisher. And he was in a band uh, with Tim Hemmonsley, Sean Greenway, and Matthew Whittle. Uh, for, it looks like for about two years. They were. It was a very short run that they were a band. But can you explain uh, My Pale to our, our American majority audience and why that song is sort of important? Um, I'll, I'll give it a go. I'm not – yeah. Yeah. Um, Basically, My Pal is a song that's still played constantly on the radio here on independent radio. Um, it's, to my reckoning, it's probably second to The Saints on Stranded as far as sort of underground important singles from the era. Um, somehow they managed to, by, by combining the fact that they were all 15 and 16 at the times, at the time when they made it, and then promptly disappearing before that album was released, um, by calling themselves God, which, you know, in 1988 was more controversial than it is now, I guess. Um, yeah, they put this song out and it's just a, I mean, it's a pretty simple hook, just a descending sort of guitar line, but it's really catchy. Uh, it's a really cool song. It's been covered by hundreds of bands in Australia and all around the world. Um, it turns up on soundtracks all the time when, um, you know, sort of B-movie versions of Tarantino films use it a lot. Um, but yeah, it's just <laughs> a sort of underground garage constant in Australia. 
Yeah, it seemed to be uh, when I watched the uh, YouTube of the recording, it led me down a rabbit hole of all the bands that have covered it. And it was mm-hmm. starting to get the impression of, you know, any band that tours there in the indie rock, alt rock mm-hmm. genre covers the song. And then this, the lead singer comes out. So the one that jumped out yeah. was Dennis Jr. covered the song. Yeah. And the singer, uh, and I think the guitar player joined them and uh, rocked out to the song. Yeah. And it's a, again, being 88, it's a weird one given that it was hard to find in the first place. And obviously, 88, a bunch of 15 year olds from Australia aren't going to find any fame or any reason to, for anyone in America to even know that they exist. So the fact that it got any kind of penetration is pretty cool. And, and I watched the, uh, there's a live video of the band playing it. Uh, it must be in the 88 time frame. It's pretty remarkable in that the singer is uh, what looks like a 13-year-old boy <laughs> <laughs> with braces and, and has this incredibly like husky, mature rock voice. It, it's kind mm. of, it's kind of you know, bizarre. Like it doesn't look real. Um, yeah, no. And in a way, it it was a bit shocking of uh, just how was this band not bigger. How was how was this band not Nirvana? <laughs> was one of the questions that crossed my mind. Mm. Yeah, well, they disappeared, so they broke up. So that didn't help, and I think one of them yeah. died of an overdose. That's, oh, there you go. That tends to help. Actually, you at times. two of them, two of the members two. of God, ended up dying from heroin overdoses. There you go. That's. Um, yeah. I mean, is there a better band name than God? <laughs> like, um, I've always thought Nirvana was a great band name, but God might be one level up. <laughs> it's certainly a statement. Um, yeah, but it can be difficult to find at times. Like you certainly get a lot of responses from the internet when you try and sure. when you try and do it. <laughs> and just type in God, my pal, and I get um, a lot of sermons about you know my relationship with God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Like you mentioned, this the band was not together very long, and then um, ended up forming as Haas. He, uh, Joel uh, Silbisher formed. I guess would be I get well. I mean, it was eighty nine, ninety when they formed somewhere in there. Um, yeah, it must be with after. Scott Bailey on bass, Todd McNear on drums, who was in bands Seminal Rats and Slush Puppies. And Michael Weber on lead guitar. He was also in Seminole Rats and Slush Pumpies. Slush Pumpies. They were McNear was replaced by Michael Glenn on drums in '92, and then so he's the drummer on this album. And then Dean Muller replaced McNear, who was in a band called uh, or a couple of bands called Voodoo Lust and Macho Clowns, but went on later to play with the Cosmic Psychos. Um, and at some point, uh, Joel has played with Tex Perkins and has also played with the dirty three, which the dirty three have been around and are not a bit, I I don't know if they're still around, but I remember them in the early two thousands getting a lot of kind of, uh, hype. I remember a lot of dirty three, uh, magazine ads. I have no idea right. anything about the band, mm-hmm. but I just remember a lot of ads. I think uh, so, Grinder Man without the singing. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, a bit more atmospheric, but yeah, that I mean they are. Well, they're probably in that band. That's that they're the people there um, behind Nick Cave. Oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Um, so let's get to. Uh, I have to make sure we have our Patreon. Uh, stuff up so we know where the votes go but uh got some comments kyle bittner said this was fun this was a fun album and once again is proof that the aussies know how to rock um adam rogan says what an album cover i don't think he's being serious it's not the mess it's not the best album cover um it's uh, on the liner notes here the album art is done by julie okay that's it (laughs) (laughs) She apparently used Microsoft Paint from 1993. <laughs> should I, should I know what this is? I, I felt like the comment about the album art was uh, 
I was missing some reference here. No, I just think it's it's very local bandish. Okay, could be an extreme close up of piss crossed. There, well, there you go. That could be it. Um, he says this sounds like a blend of southern rock, grunge, and punk. Not really my thing, but I can see how others might enjoy this. That's very diplomatic. Um, and Willie Dillon says sounds like rock music. Okay, <laughs> that's uh, you know, guys, uh, that's interesting, but yet not very descriptive descriptions. Uh, so I'm gonna make a. I'm gonna have to put in like a minimum comment. Uh, you know, you have to at least write at least 10 words <laughs> to get included. Yeah. 10 word minimum, 10 word minimum guys. Look, this show is a cover charge. <laughs> exactly. You want to get in, you need to write 10 words or more, 10 words or more. All right. Jay, tell me one thing you liked about bring on the juice by Hoss. I thought this record was a, like a beefy slab of rock and roll. Like I heard a lot of cool things going on. Um, it did not necessarily sound nineties or eighties or anything to me. Like I'm getting more of a, you know, a fairly timeless classic vibe from this record. Um, so you've got some really cool guitar work on here. So it's a, um, there's like a proficiency that you can sense here. Like they know how to play guitar, but there's also a um, rawness and spontaneity to it. So you really feel like you're hearing performances that um, are live like, but probably never exactly the same every time you hear them. Um, but at the same point you're hearing, you know, slide and leads and riffs and bluesy based uh, guitar playing that's that's got some swagger, but it's also got some dissonance. It's got um, you know, it's got some groove. It's got you know, it's heavy, but it also can be you know very melodic. So to me, this is a I think what I respond to most and the guitars are mixed very loud. So it's a guitar first record. I think the second thing that really worked well was I really like the singer a lot. Um, I like the tone of his voice. I think it's unique. Um, and it has more of a, I guess either a timeless or like classic rock or eighties vibe to it. So like, even though the guitars can lean a little bit towards grungy, um, like I could hear some of these songs being similar to something like, I don't know, like say Mud Honey or some like a Seattle band. Um, the vocals are not like that at all. So you get like this cool contrast of, you know, um, aggressive, loose, raw guitars and vocals that fit it, but also are maybe taking a little bit more inspiration from 70s and 80s, kind of like phrasing melodic sense. Um, but it's aggressive enough. I think the thing that makes it work with the guitars is that the vocals are like, um, they're really aggressive. Like he's singing loud, like he's expressing a lot. He's, he's, he's emoting a lot. Um, he's using a lot of volume. Uh, it's a, it's a raspy kind of, you know, gritty voice. And that goes well with the guitars, but in a way that's not stereotypically nineties um, in any way, or even, you know, I struggled to find other 90 nineties bands that would combine those two elements together in the same way. It's almost like uh, vocally, I guess the best I can come to that people, most people would know it's like, the first Black Crows record, but if it was really aggressive, like if Chris Robinson really dug in, you know, and, and got gritty and let his voice break up and really kind of yelled and screamed a little bit more and emoted a lot more. But those kind of phrases, um, I would say, are kind of similar to what he uses vocally. 
So it's a really interesting mashup. Uh, the bands that I immediately thought of when I listened to this were either um, like 80s bands that were leaning more towards like a gritty, sleazier, blues-based sound. So like a Jet Boy or a Junkyard or Circus of Power, those sorts of bands. Um, or things that were more 70s, 60s. So MC5, even Rose Tattoo. You know, there's some pretty cool slide work on Gentle Claws, um, which made me think a little bit of Rose Tattoo. Um, helicopters, which are also referencing MC5. You know, so musically, that was more of what it sounded like to me. You know, um, either a, a 70s, you know, influence grunge kind of approach, um, which, you know, again, mud hunting would, would probably not be far from that, but there's a, um, I think a stronger melodic sense here underneath all of it. Um, and a little bit more understanding of the blues that, uh, that I can connect with that makes, a makes a more unique sound. Um, than some than some of the the Seattle stuff. So, yeah, it was a really um, really unique little slice, you know, of maybe eras, times, different different sounds um, that came together on this record for me that I that I really responded to. What about you, Tim? know it's funny you mentioned the you know, we did the mud honey record last year and when i was listening to this a, a couple times through i started thinking this is kind of what i wanted mud honey to dude i have that note sound like <laughs> i literally wrote that i said this is what i always wanted mud honey to sound like that's crazy it sounds full yep. and it's it can be messy yep. you know there's sometimes where there's a guitar solo and it's just co- total noise and chaos Yep. And I don't, I don't need there to be like a, a proficient blues solo. I'm okay with those noisy feedback yep. solo, direct guitar type stuff going on. Um, there's like you mentioned, I mean, there's stuff that is very seventies, uh, New York dolls, MC five, um, you know, the swagger of those bands, um, I heard some new bomb Turks, mm. some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, I heard, like you said, you know, there's, there's such a through line to this that it doesn't, I mean, if you told me that this was an album that came out in 99, it was a part of the action rock scene. I'd be like, Oh yep. yeah, this, this totally fits that. But then also this sounds like it came out in Seattle in 1988 and it was a grunge pre grunge album. Like this, yep. this has no timestamp on it because that sound is so it always sounds fresh and energetic and he has you know again we were talking about earlier about him being like a teenager and having that really big voice right he's still only like 20 years old when this or 22 years old when this record comes out because he was born in 71 so he's like 22 when they put this record out and he's got this voice that sounds like scott morgan in his prime playing with the hydromatics like yeah, I mean, yeah. this is this is not something that a 22 year old should be able to pull off in terms of that level of grit and and also just great melodic sense um i think i think some people probably listen to this record and go yeah it's it's a fine rock record but i think when you dig into it and you really like listen to the the really good tracks there is a really strong sense of rock history and 
this isn't just a grunge album or a punk album. Like there, there's some really interesting arrangements and, and, you know, the way that they're playing is it takes a certain feel to get those riffs right. And from the rhythm section and, and all that stuff. And, and his phrasing has to be right or else it's going to sound, you know, either, either kind of off or it's going to sound like he's just copying. Um, but yeah, like it took me, I, I, when I first started listening to it, I was like, what is going on here? Like this, is this a grunge record or is this, you know, I was trying to, I was trying to think of other bands that we listened to. And then when it started getting through it a couple of times, it's like, Oh, I, I get what's going on here. This is really interesting. Um, so I, I definitely got hooked fairly in like, you know, after two or three solid listens of, of going through this. Um, so Gavin, uh, you had five albums to choose from of, of this band in the nineties and, uh, you chose this one. So what works best for you on this record? Um, what works best for me on this one? So coming back to it, obviously because it's only on CD, it's very hard to find streaming. Like you can get it on YouTube, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't get to hear it that often. The only CD player I have now is in the car. Um, so, and my memory is that this is a, just a kind of grungy album because, again, I've listened to it a lot back in the day, but you know, my musical palette was a bit, you know, less at the time. So when I put it on, I was a bit surprised. I, my immediate thing was, oh no, this this first song's a rock and roll song. Well, this has got piano on it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, Love that. And so my immediate thing went to the more um, exactly where you guys have gone to the um, action rock, gunk punk, whatever you want to call, you know, whatever you want to call that sound. I hadn't necessarily tied together the mud honey thing, but yeah, absolutely. I was more um, Dinosaur Junior in the guitar playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's the way they sometimes like really hold notes and just draw things out, and like you said, they're not necessarily planned or it might not come out the same way every single time um even was a bit reminiscent of some of the stuff in the middle of endless nameless nirvana's you know untitled not untitled but hidden track at times where they're just playing you know Mm. um so that was and so i was when i first put it on i was immediately a bit i was like oh maybe this isn't that good and then after running through it like three and four and five times like no this is this is great i'm really enjoying this you know um i did the only thing i've noticed was some of the lyrics are a bit crap. <laughs> yeah, I, there was a couple of lyric things where I went, what was that? But um, I'm glad you mentioned Dinosaur Jr. because there were points, like Lip from Lip has that intro where he's just like soloing. I was like, mm. oh, this is very Dinosaur Jr., like Green Mind era, mm. where you just start the song with a solo. That's I'm into that. Just just rip for a couple minutes to start the song. Um, but I could hear why now when you Jay, you shared that video of them playing together. Like I I bet that Dinosaur yeah. Jr. toured with them in the '90s when they were in Australia. Like I or, or was one of those bands that Jay Maskus got like were, you know whatever found out about and was inspired by. You know, because um, right. it makes a lot of sense in terms of the way that he interprets music, you know, there's a, there's a strong melodic sense there, but there's also this element of, or chaos, you know, and volume and like things just happen, you know, when you combine those two things together, uh, when you combine, combine melody and extreme volume, you know, uh, serendipity occurs. My, so my favorite part of the video of when he's, when Dinosaur Jr. is covering my pal is he's just playing that riff 
during the verses and then he kicks it on for the solo (laughs) and it's so loud it's just like the sound of an air like an airplane just took off inside that little room that they're playing in i was gonna tell you hey if you watch this video you might want to turn your headphones down before he gets to the solo (laughs) (laughs) oh and that first solo he takes it's just all like noise like he's just hitting and he's using his whammy bar and he's just yeah. like it's just noise 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 and it's just like man somebody somebody had tinnitus after that show yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but i i don't know the guitar work on this album is just so cool like it, there's elements that are very bluesy and then there's elements that are very experimental um mm-hmm. or you know like lip from lip you know guitar wise i listen to them like what the f- efforts going on like this is not like the rest of the album at all or something like um tiredest man awake it's got this super cool uh harmony part that you would might hear on a you know more of a thin lizzy kind of <laughs> inspired band you know where the two guitars are are doing a harmony and they do this just super cool riff that is not expected from something that's grungy but then the you know gentle claws goes into this groove this thick kind of heavy sabbathy kind of feel groove you know so it just covers a lot of ground and i don't know maybe it's the time and place we are now um i just really respond to the, the spontaneity that's in here there's just the re- it's just real like you know you're in the room but mm-hmm. this these people making music and just letting things happen and feedback occur and amps cranked and you know it's just all real that um that i'm really responding to so it's on the um lip from lip song that you mentioned that's where uh, charlie owens playing on that one who is who is in the beast suburban who we've grazed past a few times so far hmm. we've done one of their albums yeah um and he's playing slide on that he's he's on two of them. So that's probably why those couple of songs have more of that sound to them. Interesting. Okay. Anything that doesn't work for you on this record, Jay? Well, I, I was thrown at the curb by, but cur- curveball by lip for lip. I thought it was starting to get into an, ex- I don't know, maybe a pavement space, like experimental space or something about the tuning or something of that. It has a dissonance that is different than the rest of the record. Um, and I think where I'm at with with that is, I think I'm I would I will come to appreciate that song, but um, at first listen, it seems you know to be a a turn that's not quite in line with the rest of the record. Um, other than that, I think there's you know there's a couple songs where they go a little long that I'm still struggling with. Something like, um, oh, what's the song that has sax in it? Is it Cave Me In? Yeah, which is like... When I listen to that, when I listen to that, uh, when I listen to the record kind of passively and that song comes and the sax comes in, I really appreciate it because the sax is introduced in a way that's very aligned to the guitars, almost to the point where you have trouble discerning is this a guitar feeding back or is it sax saxophone 
which I think is a really clever way to bring in an, you know, an instrument like that, um, that you wouldn't think would fit with this music. Um, but it's, it's introduced at four and a half minutes into that song. Um, so when I would listen to it more as from a critical sense, you know, taking notes, it was like, oh, we're four minutes and four and a half minutes into this. And now we're getting into those sax, <laughs> a weird sax part that degrades into like ending the song over the course of two minutes. So <clears throat> when I listen with a critical ear, some of the material seems long. When I listen, pa- listen passively, it, it works better. Um, so I'm, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite um, I don't have a strong opinion on that just yet. I think I need to spend more time with the record, you know, and I have listened to it quite a bit. The only other thing I, I would say is that um, it's a bit one note from a vocal guitar standpoint. Like once you kind of get the tone and you're bought into the tone of the voice and the way that he phrases and sings, and then you're bought into the guitar approach, for the most part, the record feels a little bit like, okay, I've kind of heard this general idea, which I think works for record. I'd be curious to see, like, can you make two, three, four records out of this? You know, a band like the helicopters kind of started very much in this sound, but then they evolved a lot, you know, through the course of many records. Like if you listen to track one, it's got this honky tonk piano in it. That's super cool. The helicopters would have done that. And then like by record four, like that would have been a main feature, (laughs) you know, they would have really like, polished their sound which they did you know to well, really got, feature they, other they also things. polished their songwriting and they became like right. very very their hooks became a lot more yeah. prevalent so i'm wondering like this band's in this kind of raw um what i hear is it you know it sounds inspired it sounds like they have ideas the references a lot of other things we talked about it's a little shallow once you kind of get the grasp of it, you know, you, you kind of like, okay, I get what this band sounds like now. And um, when they do make a left turn for me, like on lip from lip, it's not quite right. Like it feels a little too like all indie, like not quite right for what they're trying to do. So that would be my only other, my sort of like little knit would just be, you you have to be into this sound like sonically it has to like connect with you pretty pretty quickly um and if it doesn't it's not going to be like an album where by track six you hear something new you know this is what the bound when you listen to track one this is what the band sounds like if you don't like it you're not gonna like the rest of the record yeah i agree with you on the the length this is a 45 minute album and to me this should be like 32 35 minutes like sure this should be a tight rock punk action grunge gunk whatever it is (laughs) like those don't there should be no six minute long songs on this um at best i would you know those songs either need to be just like cut or cut down because you can do that feedback stuff and and chaos stuff within the context of the song and they do it you don't need to add two minutes of that onto tracks i already know you're capable of it yeah <laughs> so adding it is just it just delays me getting to the next song all i really want i want this to like blast through the songs like all these songs should be between like two and a half and four minutes max um when you're going beyond that i'm not entirely sure you're playing to your strengths so that's really my only complaint. I, you know, as far as him as a vocalist, yeah, he's not, it's not original. It's just confident. And I, I, that is fine with me. Yeah. It's um, a lot of attitude, which I respond right, to well, which reminded me of like a band like the black halos, which was really, you know, doing yep. a very familiar thing, but they had a lot of swagger and confidence. And even when I didn't love his vocal because he had a very abrasive vocal, um, when it did work, like then it was perfect uh, for, for what they were doing. Uh, but when it when they would do something that was like questionable is when I would, it would be grading. Yep. And I wouldn't want to listen to it. So, and I, I 
I'm thankful that he has that that Joel here has a much much more refined vocal um, in terms of that sound because it, you know he can yell he can do the the rasp he can do everything that really hits correctly for the sound so I I don't get bored with it I just I just wish it was a little bit shorter and more concise. And then I would, would immediately want to put it back on. Yeah. Because it is a little fatiguing with as much, especially when you crank it, there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of stuff, which I appreciate, but I don't want to listen to it over and over again. I want to like take a break and listen to something else for a period. Yeah. It's like when you, if you're going to base your band in like <clears throat> blues, for lack of a better way to define it, like I think that's mm-hmm. the core of what they're doing here guitar wise. I think you either have to like go down the road of like technical proficiency and playing and performance to the point where it's like, okay, I want to listen to six minutes of you or keep it short. And I think they would be better served and they have enough proficiency that they can make it sound musical and kind of grounded in that blues bass, but they're also bringing that energy to it. That's unique. And I think that energy is best if it's kept you know, at a 35 to 40 minute kind of time frame. Yeah. Yeah. Gavin, is there anything that doesn't work for you on this record? Um, for me, the only thing is that again, some of the lyrics are a bit questionable. Um, mm-hmm. there's a song, what, what's the song? Um, what do we have here? Um, bearded heart where it almost sounds like he's, um, doing like he's making almost a feminist song. He's talking about how um, men are a bit hopeless with women, and he's got you know the lyric of some men are learning. Um, but then in, toward in the same song, he sings about I'm the chicken chopping man, and I don't know what that is, but <laughs> I, it doesn't fit well with where he was going with the rest of the song. Um, yeah. And there's just there's little bits and pieces like that every now and again where I'm like, I don't really know what you're saying there or why you're saying it. You know, yeah. To be fair, when I listen to these Australian records and I don't understand what they're saying, like there's some sort of phrase, I just go, "Well, that just must be some sort of like local thing that I don't understand." (laughs) Like I was listening to some Cosmic Psycho song, and he was just, and he was like, "Let's go get some beetroot," and I was like, "I don't know what that means exactly, but I'll just assume it means something funny in Australian." It's like Vegemite. (laughs) Australians to define a hamburger in Australia, it needs to have beetroot. What? Huh? What does that mean? <laughs> if it, for a hamburger to be an Australian hamburger, it should have yeah. beetroot in it. What is beetroot? What is beetroot? Yeah, what is Be- beetroot? It's a, you know, it's God, you must call it something else. It's a red root based um, vegetable. Why do you put that in your hamburger? Because it tastes amazing. <laughs> beetroot we really have no also idea what you're egg. talking about. <laughs> oh, they're just like beets. You, Jay, they're beets. There you go. Okay, do you mix it with the meat? It goes on top like a slice. Oh. Like, okay. like you would tomato. Oh, okay, I see. I see, I see. Yes, that's, that's how you make an Aussie hamburger. It should have beetroot and it should have an egg. Well, I love egg. Pineapple, yeah. and that's, but I'm not a pineapple person. Wow. <laughs> I know what I I'm having is, for dinner tomorrow. Is it, a, is it a, <laughs> or like a fresh pineapple or like grilled? Uh, either way, probably grilled. All right, I could see grilled pineapple. That would be good. <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a pineapples are cold food. <laughs> but uh, but yes, eggs yes to yes to eggs. Uh, a fried yeah. egg on a hamburger is great. Yeah, beetroot. I have never heard of that before. Um, <laughs> when I make it down, I will definitely give it a try. Uh, yeah. If that you know whatever happens, whenever we're allowed to fly again, um, <laughs> and whenever your country lets us in, right? Yeah, that's I right. <laughs> So, um, Haas apparently, uh, you know, well, did you have any, anything else that you wanted to, uh, Oh, just to do with the lyrics there. So, um, where they go after this, for me, this is why this album was my favorite of this. Cause I've got all the ones that come after it as well. Um, but they do slow down and he's actually singing in a voice on this. So he's singing angry, which you've both picked up on. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. When in everything else that that um, Joel sings on, and he's there's a lot of it, he's it's a much slower so, um, sound. It's more 
uh, fragile, I guess. Hmm. Um, he's got a band called Tendrils that he did towards the end of the 90s, um, which they even on their album they do one of these songs off this album but in a very, very different way. And it's it's verging on being alt country. Wow. Um, okay. And I also hear the last Hoss album described as sounding a little bit like Afghan wigs, which um, I don't think I got to the wigs until after hearing Hoss. So uh, that's never crossed my mind. I'm going to go back and have a listen to that. But, um, yeah, so so for me the, the vocal was interesting to sort of go, okay, like, you don't actually sound like this. This is weird, you know. Um, like it, it was it was a it was a put on voice for for me, but I but I liked it. Um, that, uh, that's just an observation because you both really picked up on the singing. You know? Yeah, I was wondering about that. Now I was bought in when you sent the God. Mm. Um, Tim shared the God single with me, which we talked about. When I watched him sing there, I was like, okay, this makes sense. Like this is what I would expect. Maybe that singer evolved to sing sing like mm. a couple years later. But there was a, a little bit of question in my mind of like, okay, with this much attitude and sort of emotion in the singing, is it real? Mm. Is it his real voice or is it put on? Yeah, I feel it's a bit put on. Mm. Okay. The only other thing, um, and I only found this out today, um, but the last song, I think I'm losing it, opens with what I always thought was rain, like a rain sample at the start. Yeah. Um, and I was hoping, I was, but, but the other thing that was in my head was it might be somebody urinating. I was really hoping it wasn't that because that's just a, like a <laughs> pretty low thought. tone. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I read this morning that it's um, the cooking of bacon. It's mm. the, um, bacon and eggs in a fry pan for <laughs> some reason. That was them like wrapping up the actual recording and then putting that on there. So Delicious. I'm cool yeah, with that. <laughs> yeah, so that could probably. I'm now okay with it, but when I thought it was the other, then I wasn't. I was like, "Yeah, don't put that on there." Yeah, I thought the same thing. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm listening to somebody piss because yeah. I don't want that." And why it doesn't fit? Right, right, right. We should have had CDs that had smells. Oh no, thank you. <laughs> In the '90s, so like when you put this on, the last track comes on, you should have smelled bacon. <laughs> I'm cool with that. <laughs> to, to help you understand what's going on. When am I listening? Oh, it's bacon, clearly. Oh, bacon is... Ooh. This song sounds amazing. <laughs> this song and tastes plus, delicious. Now I've got a vision of you listening to the Cosmic Psychos, though, and you're hearing, let's all get some beetroot, and then you'll know what it is. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I, I feel so much... Uh, you smell it. So enlightened now. I feel I feel educated. Uh, so this album and uh, just in general, I don't think Haas. I don't know that any of their records came out in the United States, like even promo copies. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm looking through on Discogs, and if if they made it to the U.S., it was not on purpose. Is Haas a uh, Australian? I mean, we have a. We have a use of the word here in America. I'm wondering, like, how is that word? Where does that word fit in the uh, Australian vernacular? My, my only version of it is your version of it. Okay. So, okay. Um, I did hear they said that um, he used it because he just likes um, single syllable band names, hence yeah. God, Hoss. Um, okay. Okay. And tendrils. Yeah. <laughs> so this mind. <laughs> he changed his mind. Yeah, exactly. Um, he had that opinion before Google. No, he's like, damn, I wish I had a super long <laughs> name that his, was um, very specific. It's his elderly woman standing in a, at the counter of a corner shop or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to our overall ratings on this album. We will reveal the Patreon vote. After we give our ratings, Jay, were the album better EP or decent single? Where do you land? I'm in a worthy album. It, it hit a sweet spot for me. Um, I liked your comparison of it sounds like an early pre-grunge band. At the same time, it sounds like a late 90s action rock Detroit <laughs> garage revival band which is very strange, but very cool. So to me, it bookends in a weird way that both the start and the end of the nineties, um, 
which I think I enjoyed a lot. And I thought the guitar playing was cool. I think the record sounds pretty good. You know, um, there's a couple of tracks that sound a little different than others. It's not super consistent, but for the most part, you know, it's a big, fuzzy, punchy rock record um, that uh, is a lot of fun to listen to. So I'm going to, I'm going to wear the album. I am too. Uh, like I said, it's a little long for me. And I think some of the songs get a little indulgent in the noise department, uh, especially at the ends of their tracks. But if this was, you know, in the eight, nine range of songs coming in under, under 40 minutes in the like mid 30 range, that would be perfect for me. Cause I think that there's just like a lot of really fun and, and re-listenable tracks on this record um i'm i'm really like like mighty hand and gentle claws and and um i think i'm losing it and i you know 11 11 again All, a lot of really cool riffs um uh, just just a fun record to just blast um so yeah i'm i'm we're the album with this gavin hey, I was gonna, uh, yeah. real, real quick. Oh. I was going to mention that um, it brought me back to a band from the late '90s that's from Seattle. I'm sort of piecing this together now. Like vocally, it sounded like uh, a band called New American Shame, which was a Seattle band that I think was um, kind of in the ACDC realm, but like vocally, it was very similar. It's just kind of striking me now that like there's sort of a you know a bookend to that too of like. I don't know if they were influenced by this band or if they all kind of came from the same kind of concept, but um, it was pulling me back to, you know, that kind of sound, just a classic, like hard rock, gritty kind of vibe. That was 99 when that record came out. Yep. Yeah. That album has been out and then also re-released, I guess, with bonus tracks, which I did not know. I have, to remember, I have to revisit that. I haven't, re, I haven't listened to it since probably it came out. Sing, there's something about the singer that's, that's similar to me, like tonally and just phrasing-wise. It was the closest I can come to. So, Gavin, what, what, I, know, I know what you're going to say, but say it. Yep. Please, share it with our audience. Um, yeah, well, obviously, a worthy album for me. Um, I loved it. I'd go the other way because I also had the um, Gentle Claws was released as an EP as well which had another four songs on it, including Stray Cat Blues um, cover, obviously. Um, oh, wow. Which probably places this, and then for everything you've said, that's the right song. Um, I'd just throw that on there because I was enjoying um, I was enjoying listening to this. So I'd go the other way and make it longer. Interesting. A longer record. On a, it's not allowed here. You can't make <laughs> records longer. It's actually against the law. On our podcast. Um, well, our votes at Patreon were split 50-50 between Worthy Album and Decent Single. Interesting. Whoever voted Decent Single, however, did not uh, reveal themselves. So they all those have With to your, remain um, in darkness. With the more than 10... 10- words rule coming in i think the uh okay if it's a decent single which song exactly what's <laughs> right if you if you're saying decent single tell us what the song is or the the a side and the b side mm. so we so we know because I'm, I'm in with this album i'm in the camp that um jason said earlier you either like you say you put song one on and if you like it then you like the album and if you don't like it you don't like the album yep yeah yeah i don't think it's um yeah, you're not going to get the song three on here and think, oh, wow, this isn't what I expected. <laughs> it's <laughs> right. not like you've gone and not like the first time you hear Blur is song two. So you go and buy the album and you go, hang on. You know, right. It just doesn't sound taking like some it. unexpected <laughs> turns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Gavin, thank you once again for bringing us uh, a band we haven't heard of and have been schooled. Uh, adding to your collection of, uh, you know, artists that we have been um, now schooled upon and uh, enjoyed. And 
I'm still enjoying the, the Cosmic Psycho stuff that I'm discovering from our discussion of the Cosmic Psychos. I, I, eventually, I'll have to dig into some of these other records that you said sound a little bit different from this. Because I'm mm, interested. I think you'd in. like Tendrils. Okay. Apparently, and that's uh, just on Apple Music here, so that's handy. And then apparently, he's also in a band uh, that's Joel Silbisher is in a band called Headland, which is a a psych folk instrumental band. <laughs> And they've been together since 2013 and put out a record last year. There's information. Apparently, there's a new Hoss album coming out, and they're talking about touring this year. So oh, we'll see. Oh, wow. A shooter's sandwich is, um, is what it's apparently called, but that's all the info I have. Well, well, well. I don't want to say we're responsible, but the, <laughs> the dig me out lightning strikes again a band that we've reviewed all of a sudden putting out a new record goes back to to refused and at the drive-in but way back in like seasons <laughs> one two uh not that those records were really that good but you know we don't account for quality here just quantity <laughs> gavin uh stay cool down there in brisbane yep. not the yes, gold coast he wants to say stay dry. Stay yeah, dry. Fish down here. Yeah. And uh and uh stay uh, uninfected. We we <laughs> are very uh envious of your lockdown uh procedures and how on how strict and quick they are. Uh mm. we're just gonna keep muddling along until we kill half the population. Mm. <laughs> so we can go to Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get our hair cut. Yeah. <laughs> Super you didn't figure things. out how to cut your hair yet You're on your own, people. You you really, you got to take the time to do so. It's not that hard. Just put a bowl up there and you start cutting. <laughs> yeah. And besides that, you're spending most of your life on Zoom. So be like me. Just put on a hat. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I want to remind the folks at home that... Uh, they can go to digmeoutpodcast.com to suggest an album. There's our, our suggest an album page where you can drop the name of an album, the artist, and why you're suggesting it. And that will be thrown into a hopper, which will spit out eight or nine uh, albums per month for our patrons to review or to vote on for us to review. And uh, you can join Patreon for as little as two bucks a month. Uh, help. Support the podcast, join the conversation. It gives you access to our Discord channel where you can chit-chat with all of our patrons about various rock topics. It's also where uh, Patreon is where you can uh, read the Box Newsletter. If you uh, don't sign up for it, uh, you know, the old school way and get it delivered to your email inbox, the Box Newsletter delivered every week on the weekend for you to see... uh, what's happening in the world of music, uh, television and books related to eighties and nineties music. Jay and I keep that updated. We actually have now, uh, patron submitted reviews. So if you're a patron and you want to, you know, review a record, throw it into one of our one minute review, uh, slots. All you have to do is, you know, get in contact with us and we'll be putting together a form for people to, uh, to do that. But, we're looking forward to hearing our patrons' opinions on new releases that we can, we can't get to them all. There's so many. I can get to do two a week when I'm also reviewing a record for the uh, sometimes yeah. two records, depending if it's an '80s episode week. Um, I can't get to everything, so excited to get some more opinions and some more yeah. reviews out there. But this is all happening on Discord, like organizing um, different folks, uh, maybe inter- reviewing records and whatnot. So. Much is afoot at our Discord page. Yeah, and if you want to hear me like rant late at night about the soundtrack to Teen Wolf. <laughs> that happened. And it that was happened. that happened last night. That somehow out of a discussion on Tombstone, the movie. It, uh, it was offensive. It it the, the soundtrack to Teen Wolf is so bad it's offensive. <laughs> That's the kind of quality stuff you're missing. I encourage everyone to go watch that movie and then and please come at me. Disagree. <laughs> the music in that that movie is not a complete disaster. 
there you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, someone's got it in for Miles Goodman. That's all I can These say. These are the things that we're passionate about and we, we discuss on Discord. Uh, if you like what you heard about Jay's comments on Teen Wolf soundtrack, please consider leaving us some positive feedback uh, at Apple Podcasts uh, so we can rise in the rankings, the all-important rankings, and take down the juggernaut that is NPR. Uh, That's it. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out.